1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Emma here, and I have two of my favorite romance readers with me, Maria and Kate. Hello. Hello. Good morning. So we are here. It is February. uh, So naturally, that means we're here to talk all things romance basically all month long. Mm And Kate and Maria are avid romance readers. We chat about romance books all the time. And so I thought it would be great to have them on to talk about some of their favorite romance reads of all time, any romance they've read recently and enjoyed, and anything they're looking forward to that's on their radar. Um, So I'm glad you guys are here. We're just going to dive right in and talk about favorite romance reads of all time. If anyone wants to kick us off with their first pick. Do you want me to start? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Kate pointed at me on Zoom. Mario, so why don't you kick us off? I, I'm happy to kick us off. Um, It's February in Cleveland, so all I've been reading is romance because it's very depressing outside. Um, <laughs> so I will definitely talk about my favorite romance reads of all time. I'm a very like new to romance reader in the grand scheme of things. I probably didn't start reading any romance at all until like 2018. So I don't. Twins.
2: I <laughs> yeah, around 2018 as well yeah
0: man look at us newbies but already like so into it um so my one of my favorite romances I've ever read is Bringing Down the Duke by Evie Dunmore it was like the first historical romance that like I found my stride with like the type of historical romance that I like so this is the first book in the League of Extraordinary Women series is set in Victorian era um And it's about Annabelle, who is she's received a scholarship to be like one of the first students, uh, women students at Oxford from the National Society for Women's Suffrage. So she also has to like go to their meetings and like publicly support this cause. And she hands a political pamphlet like in the middle of like a public square to the Duke of Montgomery. And everyone's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you just did that because he's trying to like side with whoever will get him. Um, to get back the castle that his father gambled away. So he's kind of like ideals, schmideals, let's just like get this going, whatever. <clears throat> and he's like very shocked by her brazenness. And they have a couple more public interactions and then Annabelle finds herself ill and snowed in at Montgomery's home. Oh my gosh. Classic. So some forced proximity stuff going on, which is great. Um, and Sebastian, that's the Duke of Montgomery's name, he is like super swoony, swoony and like the broody way that like you know how you can like I feel like authors can write broody where it's just like kind of tedious but this is the opposite of that you can like see the ice of his exterior melting away and it is like oh my god it's very swoony and and Annabelle is really awesome she's like clearly very very bright she has a lot of depth and their you know chemistry that kind of like ramps up is just makes for like a really good and steamy and like as believable as you're going to get, you know, romance from that time period. So I really, it helped me find my stride in historical romance for sure.
2: I love, um, forced proximity as a romance trope. In general, one of my yeah. favorites, and I don't have this listed as one of my favorites of all time, but the unhoneymooners Yes. by Christina Lauren, I a think great does force proximity so well. Yes, I
1: agree. I love, and I, I think everyone as a romance reader maybe has their favorite tropes. And so it's, it, it's going to be interesting to see as we talk about our picks, if there are some themes to these yeah. ones that we're picking, because <laughs> I also love a forced proximity or kind of like adversaries to begin with. Yeah.
2: yeah, Yeah. I actually like picked up on patterns that I wasn't even aware of as I was thinking, of, like in preparation for this podcast, like writing down my favorites of all time. I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that I liked this particular theme. Right.
0: Uh, yeah. And then you're like, put
1: everything that I
2: wrote down <laughs> all yeah. of the picks. Kate,
1: how about you? What's your first, uh, fave of all time?
2: My first favorite of all time is love and other words by Christina Lauren. Again, I'm a big Christina Lauren oh. fan. I love their stuff. Um, and it was hard really for me to choose. I also love twice in a blue moon, but Love in Other Words I think sort of took the cake for me because it has a second chance romance in it and that is a trope that I love um and something that I don't typically love either which is alternating timelines mm-hmm. so love in other words is a story of Elliot and Macy who first fell in love when they were like 13 or 14 years old and every chapter kind of alternates between um present day to when they meet like right after a chance encounter sort of how it goes is that Macy is a pediatric resident in San Francisco um, about to be married to sort of like a wealthy financially secure gentleman and then her and Elliot kind of meet by chance in a coffee shop and it sort of um, tells the way that it like kind of upends her life but of course it's worth it because their love is so deep Um, and it's just fascinating to hear about you know, those, the power of a first love as well, I think is sort of an interesting thing to read about. Um, and yeah, I just love, love in other words. And interestingly too, for Christina Lauren, it's not all that spicy, but the character development is really, really, really on point. I yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, it's
1: always so fun to coordinate talking on the Zoom. No, <laughs> um, no I think that's a really perfect segue um, into my first pick because it is, I, I think it's technically young adult. So we're kind of on the cusp here um, because I do believe it's geared for teens. But um, Anna and the French Kiss by Stephanie Perkins is just one of my favorite kind of contemporary love stories. It's so sweet. It came out in 2010. so This is not a new story Um, for my fellow podcasters who can see me. I'm just going to show you the 10th anniversary edition that came out in 2020, but this is just a sweet uh, romance that for me has held up, even though it is young adult, it doesn't, it didn't feel too, Juvenile, although of course there are those like teen, you know, romancey things where it's like, have you just had a convo? No, <laughs> obviously not. Um, yeah. But this is a really cute story. It follows Anna who is starting her senior year of high school. She's really looking forward to it. She has like a crush where things might, you know, progress. She's obviously in school with her best friend, and then her family decides to send her to boarding school in Paris. Now, a little bit like, woe with me. Um, But I understand being, you know, taken out of your element in high school um, and being in a totally new place. But she's shipped off to her boarding school in Paris and uh, she meets Etienne. I'm so sorry if that pronunciation was terrible, Um, but he is charming and smart and cute and all those things that you are looking for in a teen romance. Um, He's got a French name and a British accent, um, which like. in my opinion, that's double whammy. Um, And he also has a girlfriend. And it's a really cute story about um, just like developing like very slow friendship uh, into something more um, lots of like near misses and kind of like, you know, teen mishaps. But I just think it's such a sweet story. And this is one that even as an adult, I keep coming back um, to read when I want something that's just going to make me happy. <laughs>
0: yeah. I love that, uh, 10th anniversary edition. Oh my gosh. That's gorgeous. That's gorgeous. Yeah.
1: I mean, we love books in all their forms, but something about a special anniversary edition, it has sprayed edges guys. <laughs> uh, so like, give me a break. Sometimes you just can't resist a pretty book. Uh, <laughs> so anyone else let's go actually go back to Maria what about your um next favorite romance of all time my next
0: favorite romance and I'm pretty much like the rest aside from what I'm about to just talk about the rest of my picks are historical romances today so sorry not sorry but um (laughs) I really really love The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang um it's also the first in a series um that I think has three books out now um and I, I like my romance romances steamy. Um, but I also like my, like, especially my contemporary romances to have very real characters and like a lot of depth to the characters. And I think the Kiss Quotient gives an A plus for me in both of those things. I was almost like, whoo this is steamy. Like right off the bat, it was great.
1: How steamy, Maria,
0: <laughs> is my I would, question. <laughs> I would say like if we're going by... Uh, pepper emojis yes <laughs> I would say four Maybe okay kind of, yeah yeah it's pretty uh it's pretty, that's it's pretty good that's um, pretty spicy yeah and but it, it's written really well and the characters I just think are really amazing you get really connected with them and their their struggles and their issues um Stella is a successful um kind of like, I, I don't even, not an actuary. She, I forget exactly what her job is, but she works with numbers and statistics a lot. She has Asperger's syndrome and she's feeling a lot of pressure from her mother to settle down, but she, she doesn't like dating, kissing, sex, not comfortable with it. And she decides to hire an escort to show her what to do basically and help her out. Um, his name is Michael fan and Uh, Their first night does not go as planned. And so Stella realizes that really she should be trying to figure out how to be in a relationship in general, um, not just the physical part of it. So she um, they come to an agreement, Michael agrees to be her faux boyfriend, but then they have some very real feelings developing as well. So Juan is diagnosed with Asperger's herself. And so the the portrayal of Stella is just, I think, really, really honest and real. Um, But then Michael also has like a very uh, fraught and complex family history. So it kind of evens out. It's not just Stella experiencing all these issues, right? Like she makes it really even as far as like all the hurdles they have to overcome to be in this successful relationship. And like Michael's relationship with his family is just ends up being really sweet and I yeah just everything about this book I think was was it for me as far
1: as enjoying a contemporary romance with good characters I love that and this has been on my list to read for so long and I haven't do it done it so this might finally uh, bump this up the never-ending list of books to be read um Kate what about your next pick
2: okay so first I want to say that I just put that entire series on hold (laughs) So yes. thank you for that. No problem. Um, my next is "Eligible" by Curtis Sittenfeld. Uh, and interestingly, this and my second favorite romance, or the next favorite romance of all time of mine, are both Pride and Prejudice retellings. Um, I'm really, really into modern adaptations. So "Eligible," I actually read kind of on a lark. As a part of a library book club I was in, in which we were reading books that were set in Ohio, I didn't seek it out because it was um, a modern retelling, but it was set in Cincinnati in present day, which I thought was just so interesting. That's and cool. it tells the story of the I think it's the Bennett family. Yes. Um, And it's four sisters who have to return to their childhood home in Cincinnati after their father has a heart attack. And it's really modern and funny in certain ways that, and it balances out sort of the gravity of the situation they're in. So for example, one of the sisters is like obsessed with all things, paleo and CrossFit. Um, Another one of the sisters is like very into yoga. And then another one's like a high powered um, publicist and a magazine executive. I loved just the relationship between the sisters, although we are, we are talking about romance and of course it is a romance novel at the heart of it. I love sort of how they play off Austin's dry humor and the character development is just stellar. in this one character development for me is a huge thing. And especially in a contemporary romantic comedy, something else that I loved about this story that I thought was really, really funny is that the, like the male lead in it was on the bachelor or, uh, sort of like a bachelor type show. So that was also something that really drew the mother to like, have this feeling like, oh my gosh, one of my daughters absolutely needs to marry him. He's a doctor. He was on the bachelor, which also is like, sort of like a modern day influence. And I just thought it was hilarious. i one of three sisters. I love to read about sisters.
1: I love that. I mean, there's, I think no more classic romance than Pride and Prejudice. So it is fun to see the mm-hmm. retellings and see how they adapt them to contemporary. And I love any reference to the bachelor in anything, yes. <laughs> anything bachelor nation. Um, <laughs> my next pick for fave romance of all time was when I read last year and I don't, remember if i've spoken about this on the podcast so hopefully not but if i have sorry um i will continue to recommend this book you know forever the love hypothesis by ali hazelwood yes it's so good i like if you're new to romance or you need to recommend a book to somebody who's like on the fence about romance and um you know or has misconceptions about what romance is have them read the love hypothesis because This follows Olive, who is a third-year PhD candidate, and I think some of the ways that they've set up that whole kind of romance trope about, like, why would anyone be interested in me and, like, um, some of those things, like, he couldn't possibly notice me. Set in academia, it makes so much sense that everyone is, like, just super um, driven and also, like, in doubt of their own skills, despite the fact that they're like insane PhD candidates or professors um, in this instance at Stanford. Um, So it follows Olive who again is a PhD candidate in her third year and her best friend um, is interested in a guy that she used to date or like went on a few dates with and she knows her friend won't pursue Um, you know, this past flame until she knows that she's like over him. And so in an effort to give her friends the push she needs to date this other guy, she uh, takes things into her own hands and ends up panicking and kissing the first guy she sees uh, in the hallway of the lab. And uh, that turns out to be one of the hotshot professors (laughs) on campus named Adam. And she kind of, immediately realizes her mistake and just like kissing this stranger in the hall who turns out to be um, somebody that is a big name in their environment. And um, he also has a reputation for being like a grouch, um, for being the guy in the lab that gives people, um, you know, a tough time makes them completely redo their research, their presentations and all of those things. And, um, he kind of surprises her by going along with this whole fake dating, um, I've randomly kissed you in the hallway trope. Um, as they get to know each other, obviously, all is not what it seems. Um, but this is, just, it was so, so good. Um, everything about this book, I smiled like the whole way through. Um, and I really thought that they did a good job at. Some of those romance tropes that maybe um, can be a bit tiresome sometimes if it's not done really well, where it's like, I can't believe that, um, you know, this guy would go along with it. Why would he possibly go along with fake dating me? Um, And you'll see. But I definitely recommend this for anybody that's new to romance or anyone that just wants like a really lovely read. It's so good. (laughs) It was
0: my first read of 2022 and I did not regret it. Uh, It was so good and um yeah and I I agree and I feel like the the there was like a good reason behind every like action that is taken in this mm-hmm. um in the story so it, it makes it it makes it even like more believable and you just get more into it but yeah it, it was
1: really delightful and it's pretty steamy at parts yeah yeah it was so it was good steam level like a decent steam level. So if you want something that's really well-written, has great characters, great plot, and is a decent steam level, again, this is your book. <laughs> um, I think we also wanted to talk about some books we've read recently that we've really enjoyed in the romance genre. Um, so I'll hand it over to either of you for your first uh, pick. I can go for, I mean, we can just keep going in this keep- order.
0: I don't mind. Yeah. Um, That way no one gets sick of my voice. Um, (laughs) Never. So so I've read um, a few historical romances recently. And one that I read um, probably like a month ago was The Siren of Sussex by Mimi Matthews. This is the first book in the Bells of London series. This came out uh, in early January. And this book centers around Evelyn. She's a lady in society, but she's lived most of her life in the Sussex countryside. And Ahmad, is a half Indian, half English tailor and dressmaker. Um, a year or so after her older sister runs off with the man she loves and causes a scandal, Evelyn moves to London for the season to find a husband, secure a future for herself and her younger sisters. Um, she wants to go about it the unconventional way, though, because she is like a really accomplished horse um, horse rider?
2: Horse horsewoman? Equestrian. <laughs> Equestrian. Wow. <laughs> Oh man, yep. I I like horse rider. Horse rider woman, though. I think horse Horse, woman is good.
0: Woman, I I do like horse woman. But you're right. Equestrian (laughs) was the word I was looking for. Um, (laughs) she wants to show off by riding in the park, like some of these other women do. And um, all of the women who look like amazing in their riding habits have been made by this Ahmad guy. So she goes and she's like, "This is how I'm going to get a husband. I'm going to show off in the park." Um. And there's an instant spark between the two when Evelyn visits the shop where Ahmad works. Um, However, race, class differences, competing priorities, Ahmad's trying to own his own shop and Evelyn's husband hunting. Um, It prevents them from being together even after they like have a kiss and admit their feelings for each other. Um, I don't want to spoil how the relationship ends up succeeding because it's really, I think it's very fun way to do it. Um, But I can just say that Evelyn is... Very clever, and also finally admits to herself what kind of life she would like to lead that will actually make her happy. Um, This was less steamy than I expected. Um, So, if you're a fan of romances with just a few very hot makeout sessions, then this one's for you. Um, So, I'll talk about one more book really quick that I immediately read after this because I was like, for some reason, expecting more steam. And I will still probably read the rest of that series, but now I know right so I was like man I just wanted to you know read some more sex scenes right so <laughs> I mean am not afraid to admit yep. that and um, so I went back to uh, one of my old reliables of historical romance which is Sarah McLean yes I read nine rules to break when romancing a rake which is the first in her love by numbers series um I had read her uh, bare knuckle bastards series uh, last year, which is a phenomenal series. And um, I, I had heard her, I think Emma, you were on this virtual event. We heard her talk at a virtual event. And we were like, she's like the smartest woman ever to live. She was amazing.
1: Mm-hmm. Incredible. So,
0: yeah. And so I, I knew I had to read her books and this one was no less enjoyable. So uh, throughout 2022, I'll probably be reading the rest of that series. That is definitely more, steam but yeah Siren of Sussex was really really great the chemistry between the two um, main characters was awesome I was just like oh man I thought there was gonna be sex and then I wasn't that's okay
1: I mean yeah and sometimes you just like you know what vibe you're in to read and wonderful but then you needed to like (laughs) come back in with something that's spicier yeah so that's what I've been reading (laughs) what about you Kate
2: So I have three that I've read recently, um, and just loved two of which are pretty, um, maybe like one out of four chili peppers. And then another that is incredibly steamy, I would say four out of four chili peppers. So we'll start with the, um, tamer ones first. And my first one that I have to mention is the blue bistro by Ellen Hildebrand. And you guys know how I feel about Ellen. Um, I've committed myself in 2022 to reading all of her books. The Blue Bistro was the first of hers that I read, um, and I think I read it in November of 2021. The Blue Bistro is set, as many of Ellen's books are, on the island of Nantucket, and it centers around Adrian and Thatcher. Um, That's sort of like the main couple at the heart of the book. Adrian is someone that has been sort of traveling across the world and taking jobs as they come, but after a falling out with an ex-boyfriend who kind of swindled her out of some cash, she's sort of desperate for a job. She had never worked in a restaurant before, and the title The Blue Bistro comes from the name of the restaurant that she starts working at. Thatcher is the manager of the restaurant who kind of takes a chance on her, hires her immediately upon sight and also makes her amazing French toast. Um, and as someone that loves French toast, that was incredibly relatable to me that you would fall in love with someone, you know, over a plate of French toast. What complicates the blue Bistro is the relationship bet- between the head chef of the blue Bistro, Fiona, and then Thatcher, who's the manager, um, Fiona and Thatcher have had sort of a long friendship from childhood, but the details of their relationship, like the reader is kind of left in the dark. I don't want to spoil too much, but it just, um, the relationship between Fiona and Thatcher and then also Adrian and Thatcher is just so well-rounded and interesting to read about. I also just love to read her books because they are set on Nantucket and it's, um, February in Ohio and there are 20 inches of snow, you know, in my front yard. So I love Ellen's writing. Um, I think she can paint a scene like nobody else. So I just loved reading the blue beast show. The second one I read recently that I just loved and I, This is probably I've read within the past year. So I don't know if it counts as recent, but waiting for Tom Hanks by Carrie Winfrey, another one set in Ohio. And actually this is set in the German village, which is a neighborhood in Columbus. And it's the first time I really read a book that I could like truly picture because I've spent so much time in the German village. And there are like uh, mentions of places that I've actually been like the book loft, for example. Yes, book loft. And this one is about Annie and Drew and Annie, our hero heroine in this book is really obsessed with like Nora Ephron and is like waiting for her Tom Hanks as the title would have you, have you understand just, she's like, just looking for someone that's like a sweet, well-rounded rich person as we all are. Right. And (laughs) sort of on like a whim. She takes a job as an assistant to um a director. And the movie is shooting in the in the German village. I almost said Virgin River, because I must really have a romance on my mind. (laughs) But it's shooting in a German village. And um just through like a series of events, she gets close with the lead. Of the romantic comedy. His name is Drew. He's nothing like Tom Hanks, but the romance that develops between them is incredibly engaging. Um, and I think I said before that this would be one chili pepper out of four. And now that I'm like really thinking about it, it's probably two chili peppers out of four. But I just loved this book. And just an honorable mention too to not like the movies. So, Waiting for Tom Hanks and Not Like the Movies are both by Carrie Winfrey. And I wouldn't say they're a series, but they go together quite nicely. And then finally I have to mention, um, and I don't, I'm sure this has been mentioned on the pod before, but it happened one summer, Yes, which I read in about three hours in one sitting, like the week before Christmas, when I had a bunch of time to myself by Tessa Bailey, Tessa Bailey is just the master at steam. I don't know. No one does it like she does. So Um, it was my first Tessa Bailey that I ever read. I am now reading. I honestly think the series is hot and hammered, which I I think that's right. That's a great Um, one. (laughs) Uh, so it happened one summer is a really good one. It's Piper and Brendan and Piper. It's sort of, I read as I was like, thinking about which book to read that this was like sort of similar to Schitt's Creek. Like the main character was sort of like based off or similar to Alexis from Schitt's Creek. She's kind of like a a lovable spoiled brat. And her stepfather says like, you need to learn some actual life skills and, and ships her off to, I believe Northern California. And she falls in love with a deep sea fisherman, or maybe she's in Alaska. I can't recall. In exactly, Washington. Washington. <laughs> I mean, it was somewhere in the like Pacific Marloes. or where people would be yes. fishermen. Yeah, sorry. So it's just so good. I loved. I loved it happening I once. I need summer. to read it. I need to read it in- yeah, immediately. Sure. And
1: course, <laughs> I'm so glad you meant. I mean, I didn't mention it, so people can't be mad because I think I've talked about it like seven times. <laughs> um, but another. I'm. This is a great segue because. Um, I'm going to continue to talk about it until it comes out in March, so we're at least like four weeks away, um, so you don't have to wait that long hook line and sinker is the second book um, that follows after it happened one summer in her Bellinger series Bellinger sisters duology that follows Piper's sister Hannah. so again, same characters as the first book, but again, the the focus has shifted to Hannah. And um, King Crab Fisherman Fox, he has like a reputation about the fishing town, that he's kind of like the sexy, carefree, just like flirty guy, um, you know, he's like always a good time, but... That's, like, pretty much where it stops. He's not the type of guy that you would bring home to meet your family. Um, <laughs> and to Hannah, and she's, like, immune to him, uh, for him, like, for now. Um, and she's just kind of the first female, I think, that he has as a, a friend. And they met, obviously, from her sister and then his his other friend, um, who was that sea captain. And they kind of go their separate ways. Hannah was never meant to be in uh, Washington long-term. She was there to help her sister out, and her sister's, like, all set. So she heads back to L.A., where she works in the film industry. And as it happens, the film that she's working on ends up shooting in that fishing town in Washington, uh, based on her pitch, that it has the right vibes for the movie that they're making. And of course, puts her in forced proximity again with Fox, where she ends up crashing in his spare room because it's short notice. She can't stay with her sister. They already have guests. So again, here's that forced proximity trope that we love. (laughs) And this I loved because it's, I mean, it's a romance. So, you know, like watching them develop from this like friendship, there's like text exchanges that they have. They talk about music. They just talk about things. And kind of being put in that same space again in forced proximity, they have to acknowledge whether their friendship and like kind of flirtations is more than just like, oh, no, we're just, it's just banter. And it was so good. I read this in a day and we'll continue to talk about it until it comes out and beyond and Tessa Bailey come on the podcast. (laughs) Yes.
0: Oh, Oh my God. Her TikToks are hilarious. I have one more that I just finished on Monday, if, if, you, if that's okay. Yes. I'm very excited. I also read this in probably a total of like four hours. I just finished The Queer Principles of Kit Web by Kat Sebastian. There is literally not anything more I could say about mm-hmm. Kat Sebastian's male, male romances than like squee. Like I just want to squee, but I'm bad at squeeing because I have a voice. Um, but just, I'm squeaking in my head. Um, this is the first in a new series. It's about Kit, a former notorious highway robber, now coffee shop owner, and Percy, uh, who's the son of a, just a duke who's like a terrible person. Um, and Percy's being blackmailed into exposing his father and pro- possibly ruining his own chances at his life as a future duke. Not that he has like any qualms about ruining his father, uh, but it will kind of upend his life. Percy approaches Kit at his coffee shop to ask Kit to help him with a plot to rob his father for evidence of the Duke's misdeeds and reluctant to get back into robbery himself also because he has kind of like a bum leg, Kit teaches Percy how to do the job himself. So this involves lots of time spent together um, and the men's initial physical attraction. Evolves into feelings and caring for each other. Skimming over a lot of other things that come to light and make the story interesting, I'll just say, lots of steamy scenes, two really fun characters, and some great intrigue. Um, yeah, it made made one of those books for me that I read as as quickly as possible.
1: I like devoured it, so
0: it was really great.
1: We love to hear it. I love when you guys come and tell me you've read a book in like a day or two because then you know <laughs> yeah. you've foregone all other things to read it. There's a yep. lot going on added to the list immediately. Yep. One of the other books I've read recently is Electric Idol by Katie Robert. This is the second in her Dark Olympus series, Um, Neon Gods was the first one that came out last year. And that was a Hades and Persephone retelling, um, which again, we love retelling so hot right now. (laughs) These like Greek mythology retellings, but this um, second book, Electric Idol follows Psyche and Eros. Apologies if that pronunciation is horrendous. And this is so cool to me as a concept because you have like this modern city of Olympus Where the title of like Aphrodite and um, Hades and all these things, they're titles, they're not their names. So it's like something that is a job almost. And some of them are passed down like from mother to daughter or father to son. And some of them you're like elected um, into these positions of power called the Thirteen. Um, so already kind of a cool premise that they've set it in this sort of modern Olympus. And this story follows Psyche, who is um, like a social media influencer. She's like a socialite. She's in, you know, all of these social circles in Olympus. She's seen at all the best parties, has all the best clothes, etc. And um, she kind of gets on the wrong side of Aphrodite, And it results in Aphrodite ordering a hit on her um, where she just wants her, like, completely taken out. And the person that's tasked with the hit is Eros. And um, he, for some reason, like, can't go through with it. He's, like, a trained killer. He's, like, used to all of these things where, like, he doesn't lose any sleep over it. Um, He knows it's all part of the like political game that his mother Aphrodite plays. And for whatever reason, he just like cannot go through with killing Psyche. And so he proposes the only other thing that he can think of to get them out of this jam. And that is marriage. So this, we love a marriage of convenience. I honestly, there are a few romance tropes I don't love but they vow to get married and like figure a way out of this mess. And in the meantime, like they've got to put on a really good show for the city of Olympus and psyche kind of, she's very bold and very outspoken and not afraid to give this like trained killer um, a little bit of heck (laughs) because it's, you know, it's, partially has felt that she's in this mess anyways. But again, like we love to see as they actually start to get to know each other, lines start to blur. There's um, of course the outstanding drama of his mother who has to deal with the fallout of this marriage. And it was so good. It was really, it's very spicy to preface. It's very spicy. Like I would definitely say like four chili peppers out of five. And if you've read Neon Gods, you know, I, I <laughs> quite spicy in this city of Olympus, but I think this is definitely going to be a series to look out for. I know that there's the next installment of this series already out um, later this summer. So I don't know how authors do that, but I'm I happy. I don't have to wait that long until mm-hmm. the next book. <laughs> That's awesome. It um,
0: does been on my list for a while. So Yeah.
1: Definitely a read for uh, when you need a, a spicy one. Yeah. Um, so all- or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or <laughs> right, or a retelling. Cool. And then I know there are a couple of books we have on our radar that we're really looking forward to either reading or, or seeing them released. So we can start with Maria.
0: Sure. Um, this one actually just came out like two weeks ago, I think, but I am on the hold list for it. <laughs> right now um it's the runaway duchess by joanna lowell um she wrote the duke undone um as far as I, I i believe that these are all standalone novels um which is kind of kind of nice um and i really like the the duke undone. i like lowell's writing her first novel had like a more serious air almost um than a lot of historical romances i've read but like in, in a good way um and in the runaway duchess it's uh a runaway bride dumping a duke and basically rewriting her own love story in this Victorian romance. But um, the reason she's kind of able to rewrite her own love story is that she ends up assuming someone else's identity for a while. So she is forced into, um, this is Lavinia Yardley, sorry, if that's her name. But um, she's forced into a marriage um, because of family disgrace to the most vile duke in England. And she's like desperate for a way out. And a stranger mistakes her for a famous botanist um at the train station named muriel and she has a split second to decide whether she's just gonna like go back submit to her fate of like having to marry this like terrible duke or just be like yeah that's me um so she decides to like pretend that she's this botanist and so the stranger that recognized her or thought he recognized her um his name's neil he spent his youth traveling the world as varum nursery's most daring plant hunter so he's like He's a botanist that goes around collecting plants around the globe. I love this. I know. <laughs> now he runs the nursery and he's ready to settle down with like a like-minded wife who's like really down to earth. He has like a large, like extended family, all that. Um, and his correspondence with Muriel, he hadn't met her yet, um, proved that they're the perfect match. And so when he meets this woman in the flesh that he thinks is Muriel, he's like, well, she seems more like a society lady, but all right. I mean, hey, you know, whatever. Um, They end up traveling through the Cornish moors together and of course sparks fly but of course this whole relationship is built on lies and then the real Muriel shows up and all that kind of stuff truth comes out yeah I'm very excited to read it I love a romance between I love a historical romance between one person who is like high society and one who has like a more like common working job hence also why I liked um the Siren of Sussex, same sort of thing. So I'm really excited about, about that one. So hopefully it will be ready for me
1: soon. I love that there's like a mistaken botanist and plant hunters (laughs) in that already. That's like a fun element. Yeah. Kate, is there anything you're really looking forward to reading
2: soon? Yes. So I have two. Um, The first is by the book by Jasmine Guillory. I actually have an advanced um, reader copy of this right now that I haven't dug into yet, but I think I'm going to today. I don't know much about this, to be honest with you. I don't know much about the plot or anything like that. I just know that if I'm reading a Jasmine Guillory, I'm in good hands. I have loved, absolutely loved every book of hers that I've ever written. So she's just one of those authors that I always look out for. Um, And then the second one that I'm really excited about is called Funny You Should Ask by Alyssa Sussman. I've not heard of this author before, um, but on a book podcast I listened to, they mentioned it and a romance trope that I love, like similar to what Maria just mentioned is a famous person, non-famous person. Mm -hmm. And um, Funny You Should Ask is about a young journalist who scores sort of like a really high profile interview with, a famous person, an actor by the name of Gabe Parker. Yes. Gabe Parker. And then they kind of go their separate ways, but she sort of always asked about this profile. Like it was so in depth and personal that there's always been sort of rumors around the profile. And then you jump forward to 10 years and they meet again and they do another profile. She writes another profile on him, sort of like a second chance romance. And then that famous person, non-famous person trope that I just go nuts for. So that's really fun. I know. And um, I have to be honest, I know that you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but I saw this Mm -hmm. cover on someone's Instagram story. I don't even recall who it was. And I was like, I need to read this book. It's a beautiful cover. So really excited. I've not ever read anything by Alyssa Sussman. I'm not sure if this is her first book, but really excited to finish it. Awesome.
1: I just looked it up, and the cover is very eye catching. Mm -hmm. It's a really bright colors as well, and we talked about this, I think, on the February uh, books preview. But like, I always notice the cover, so we're not judging the cover. We're just, you know,
2: appreciating the cover, appreciative
1: (laughs) of what we notice on the cover. (laughs) Exactly.
2: It's okay for a cover to make you want to read a book, but you shouldn't let a cover turn you off
1: from a book. Yes.
2: There. exactly that's, that's a yeah
0: that's I think that's a good way to put it
2: and I'm like
1: as you both said and we talked about a lot with romance like honestly mention the tropes and that will sell me quicker than any description will if you're like this is enemies to lovers this is forced proximity this is whatever that to me I'm like yes yes I don't even need a description half the time <laughs> one of the books that I'm really excited to read upcoming This should be out in March, so hopefully about a month left to wait. But it is my podcast and romance staple reference, Miss Penny Reed. She has a new standalone that comes out called 10 Trends to Seduce Your Best Friend. A little bit of a mouthful. And the blurb for this book just got released this week. So it's very convenient because I was already into it just based on the cover and knowing that it's Penny Reed. But this book follows Winifred and Byron. Love those names. And they're acquaintances. They've known each other for several years, but they are not friends. Uh, Winifred would consider them like super casual, like distant acquaintances who barely tolerate one another. She finds Byron extremely condescending. So I'm already like, yes, piqued my interest. Uh, they have absolutely nothing in common. She is a public school science teacher um, with kind of like a zest for life. He is a, this is from the description, joyless double PhD turned world famous bestselling fiction author. Um, <laughs> And she really loves just sharing her passion for women in STEM, and careers, and building the community via social media. And he absolutely hates all type of socialization, social media, like he wants no part in it. And so when Winifred is looking for a side hustle to help pay down her mountain of student debt, and they kind of get put into this situation where their fake friendship is the center of social media and they're kind of putting on this act for their online spectators. And I love this. This sounds right up my street in that we love like adversaries, people that barely tolerate each other in a romance, because obviously there's more there than, than what meets the eye. And I also do like the recent trend of like something goes viral or like you have something that happens on social media and you kind of keep that up for your fans or for your YouTube or whatever. And obviously things continue to evolve and develop from what's online uh, to offline. I do like in the description, it it just says you should believe, oh, you should very rarely believe what you see online. And I do think that that is a a good thing to hold to sometimes. But I'm really excited for 10 trends to seduce your best friend out in March. Nice.
0: I always love Penny Reed, so I added that immediately after you had mentioned it whenever it first was appearing, for sure. I was no. like, "Oh,
1: we just like and I think we all have those authors where we can just go back to anything in their, you know, catalog and find something that we love to read." Um, whether it's something we've already read or something new. I always, like anything Penny Reed, add to the list. I know it's going to be great. Um, I think, Kate, you said like Ellen, Hel- Helen, oh my goodness, I can't speak. And mm-hmm. Jasmine Guillory are some for you. Um, and I just think that's nice to have those go-tos. Sure is. absolutely. Oh. Thank you both. I think that's all the books. Did we have any other picks we wanted to talk about while we have the airtime to talk all things romance? I yeah uh, the only other one I was going to mention
0: I don't have like any info about it because it would spoil the queer principles of Kit Webb ending but the second book in that series does come out in June 2022 and it features um two of the like major side characters that were like very mysterious in the first book so I'm very much looking forward to that there's it's called the perfect crimes of Marion Hayes so I'm very excited for that but, uh, what, geez, what else am I excited about? I mean, everything I'm excited about, like all romances that I come across, that like seem appealing to
1: me. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, um, and
1: there's so much coming out. What I'm, not,
2: I'm also really, really excited for the new Emily Henry.
1: Yes. Oh yeah. Book lovers.
2: Yeah. Just- book lovers. That's what it's called. I wanted to say buy the book again, but that's Jasmine Guillory, but I'm really excited wow. for that one. I loved Beach Read. Oh, b was so good. Also, um, Mm -hmm. Beth O'Leary,
0: speaking of an author who I will literally drop everything to read. (laughs) I forget what the book is called. I can see the cover. It's like a guy running with a, a bouquet in his hand. I think that comes out soon. Why am I totally. Oh, no, no. the no show show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm very excited for as well, because I am Beth Leary can like do no wrong in my
1: eyes. Oh, That's so on the shortlist as well. Thank you both for coming on to chat romance. I know February, everyone's in a romance mood, in my opinion, for Valentine's. And also because uh, here on the East Coast, it is winter. Uh, um, yeah. And we like all these romances to lighten the gray, dreary, cold days. Yeah. But thank you both so much for coming on. I can't wait to have you guys back already. And I know we'll continue to talk romance. Um, Thanks everyone for listening. Happy reading. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen Podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Jill Grudenwald and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks?
0: Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw